Oh, welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the mission tonight. Just hope you've already touched heaven. Let heaven touch you. Thank you, worship team. Oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little woozy. Um, yeah, that was deep and wide, so lovely. What am I doing? <laughs> am I introducing? I'm introducing Ivan. That's what I'm doing up here. Sorry. Um, it'll be good. I know it's going to be good. Whew. All right. Um, there are so many things I just love and appreciate about Ivan. Um, I love how he loves the Lord so genuinely and... I've never seen him um, not be a lover of Christ, you know what I mean? And just whether we're having dinner and we've met up in Hawaii and it it just doesn't matter what we're doing, um, he's the same. And I love that about him. I love how he loves his family. I love to feed him. There you go. <laughs> he is a very appreciative diner. <laughs> he always makes me feel like, just like, how do you do this? And like, it's pasta, you know what I mean? It's just some diet, you know. So I, I just love that. He always just makes me feel like, like an amazing cook. So I love to feed him. It's just our honor to have him here and bless this house. And um, take every advantage tonight as the evening goes on to draw off of what's in his heart and who he is. And um, whether it seems like he's giving something for somebody else, it doesn't matter. We can be, this is the one area we can be selfish in. It's like, yeah, I'll take that too. That's for me. Because everything that's in the atmosphere is available and ready to be appropriated into our lives. So thank you for coming, Ivan. We love you. Hello, everybody. Thank you for the nice words, but the spices are magnificent. Praise the Lord. We are going to show you a video, the Widow's Project video, if you would put that up. Appreciate that. Then we'll play the Africa right after that. They're doing that. Let me know when that's happened. Um, so. Cool. Let's put that uh, Africa one up there if you have it. Should have it. But we're up to 120 of the widows. Uh, that we are totally taking care of, building houses for. Those houses started out at about 3,500. Time goes on. They went to 7,000. Now they're at 8,000. But that's a whole block house, two bedrooms with all the things that they've never had. I mean, their houses are made of cornstalk with trash bags for a roof or boards or whatever they can find. And uh, I think God is pleased with that. I think the Lord is happy with that. So we want to keep doing that. And uh, it should say Africa on it. 
Great. So we are at about 1,500 children that we're taking care of every month, and uh, we're going to really turn up the heat on that to 1,000 children a day. We bought the property already, and we're starting the building of all that right now. We're also going to build a rescue house for the young girls that uh, need to leave their homes from the slums at night because of what happens to them. So they need a place to stay at night. So that's going to cost about eighty grand. If somebody just wants to go ahead and just give me $80,000, that'd be great. Praise the Lord. But uh, somebody will. But we, uh, So we're going to build this beautiful big house. And then at night they'll get to come there. And, of course, they all get saved. They all get filled with the Holy Spirit. They all get to come to the church. And, and then we feed them. We clothe them. We help educate them. We do all that kind of stuff. And I think God is pleased with that. So praise the Lord. We'll keep doing that. Hallelujah. So a couple of final things I want to say. Also, I forgot to mention this. Um, these are sponsor cards for those of you that want to help us rescue the orphans. As you know, it takes money. For example, it's a dollar a meal, and so we're up to about 25,000 meals a month now, and uh, we just keep increasing it. But uh, if you are a person that would consider helping to do that, I would appreciate it, as this is part of my calling, is to raise up partners to rescue children and to feed them, to give them the best clothes we can, the best teachers, the best schools, the best medical care. We have three full-time doctors. We have pediatricians. We have nurses. We have uh, the best school that goes all the way from kindergarten all the way to the second year of college. When they're done there, then we put them in uh, university. And when they're done there, they go to graduate school. And I think we're about 30 of them in there right now. And, um, you know, every kind of thing they're learning, every kind of trade, uh, not trade, but but uh, career that that uh, I think we've got this coming year. I know we have at least one of them graduating from law school, and I mean <laughs> it's like a big deal. I just got to tell you, <laughs> when you come from the dump, graduating from law school, even if it's one, it's like a big deal. You know what I mean? This is like it's a massive deal. We have architects, engineers, everything you can think of. But, uh, but that happens because people everywhere I go get these cards, and they take the picture, and then they fill out the, the back part, and every month they send whatever amount they feel like they should send. We have people that send $5, and we have people that send $500. So it's, it's just one of those things where you say, I think I should have an orphan in my life who I might be able to meet. You know, as pastors, uh, Dave is gathering a team together. Uh, and you will be able to meet him if you, do, if you go on that trip for sure. And uh, these will be your prayer children or your prayer child. And then the, the sponsor card is in the back. If you do sign up for it, try to put a credit card on there that's not going to, like, run out in a month. <laughs> you know, kind of think about that ahead of time. But, uh, you know. But, uh, but if, you, if you want to do that, if that's something you feel, this, this is for children in Guatemala and also for our children in Africa. And uh, I will have pictures of those the next time I come uh, uh, for all of our Africa children and things like that. So there's a lot of big need there. 
and uh, we're doing everything we can as fast as we can to build everything we can. So praise the Lord. So I, I'm going to ask the ushers, who would be an usher? Like, who, which ones of you are ushers? If you'll go to the table and get these cards, and then if you want to do that, just raise your hand, and they'll bring one to you, and then uh, you can fill it out. And then leave the card on the table, you know, before you, you leave, and if possible, talk to me before you leave. Praise the Lord. Pastor Dave is coming up because he is now at this time going to take up the love offering. Lots of love. Lots of love. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to invest in that soil? I mean, think about it. It's just crazy. Um, years ago, when, we first, when I first met Ivan, in fact, just before I met him, he was introduced to us by Dan McCollum. And Dan said to me, you're going to hear a man that's going to talk about what he's doing in the world, and you're not going to believe him. You're not going to believe that it's possible that he's doing what he's doing. He said, but I've been there, and I've seen it, and I know it's true. Well, we've been there too. Deb and I and several others that are in this room right now have been to the orphanage in Guatemala. We were there when it was the before pictures that you saw this morning. And then we were there in the middle of some of the, the building there. We have, we have a house there that we helped build there. It's called Amy's House. It was named after our daughter Amy who passed away. And uh, we just know that it's true. In fact, he doesn't brag enough on what he's doing. Because he can't, you can't really give the full picture of what he's doing. And we get to invest in that. So we're going to do that again tonight. I know some of you are here this morning. You gave this morning. It's wonderful. If, you, if God touches your heart for these kinds of things, all of this offering is going to go directly into to his ministry to accomplish this. Um, so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. All right? So I want to just... Uh, I want to do what we say we live by. Is that okay? That we hear the Holy Spirit and do what he says. That's the foundational value of this church. We listen to what he says and then we do it. So I'm just going to ask us, let's just take a moment to listen to the Holy Spirit. How would he have us give into this kind of ministry to touch orphans and widows? Wow. And touch the heart of God in the meantime. So Father, we just uh, open our hearts as Ryan prayed this, this earlier, we open our hearts to you that you would say to us how you would have us respond to this ministry, to the, into this soil, into the lives of orphans and widows in Africa, Guatemala. That we can touch lives that we may not ever see until we get to heaven and we get joined with them there. So we just we just listen now your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, you got to learn how to hear quickly in, in this place, okay? All right, so let's, let's stand and uh, give it. You ready for some giving music back there? All right. We're ready to go. So if, if you're giving by, uh, there you go. It's all up there. How to give by text or by Credit card on the app or right here. You can just come on down here and give right in here. Please mark it. Make sure if you give cash or if you're, if you're giving check, please mark it, your envelope, <clears throat> for Ivan Tate or guest speaker, either one.
If you're putting it in a station, make sure and do that too. So if you're putting cash in there, put it in an envelope, put it there. So we'll make sure every dime of this goes to that. All right? So you can give it to the giving stations right here. Or if you've already done it online, you can say hi to somebody. All right? You ready to give? Go ahead, Al. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Crank it up. you still need to come that's fine thank you everybody for doing that thank you brother dave for taking the time to do that and not just rushing through it and meant a lot to me appreciate that um and if you really want to get blessed and work a little bit come on that trip with the church and i think it'll be a great trip the orphanage is at about 7500 feet so it's not hot You will need a coat in the evenings, and uh, you will be doing, you know, combination of ministry depends on what what comes in the team, you know. But but uh, also working. So if you have a skill, I need to know that as far ahead as possible, so we can make sure that if you're a welder, if you're an electrician, or something like that, we can have plenty of things for you to do. It is a giant complex, and we're constantly building. So you know, it's it's not a little. A little house or something. It's it's a very huge, huge place. It's like a city. We have uh, let's see, almost two hundred children. So we have one hundred, let's say seventy, eighty-five, and then a hundred employees, and then other people as well that that are there. So you know we're close to four hundred people that are there, you know, all the time, and um, it's, it's amazing what God is doing. So. Um, this morning, we began talking to you about how to get a hold of your inheritance in substance form. And the simple principle is that Christianity was never created for a lazy person. Christianity is not for people who are going to be lethargic or lukewarm or lazy. Christianity is designed by God in such a way to where it actually doesn't work if you don't do it the right way. So what you end up with is religion. That's what you end up with. Religion, void of the presence of God, void of the tangible presence of Jesus, void of the tangible voice of God, 
void of the miracles and the signs and the wonders and void of all the beautiful things that make Christianity different than any other thing there is on planet Earth. Obviously, only Christianity has a Savior, and only Christianity has a Savior that's sinless. And only Christianity has a Savior that's sinless that calls people not to sin. And, of course, it's very difficult not to sin since you have an Adamic nature that it just flows out of you easily. So in order to not sin, you actually need God's help. You can't, like, just decide one day, I will will myself not to do this. And that's what religion does. So religion is trying to please God without God's help. And that turns into religion. And then religion curses your relationship with God because your relationship with God is dependent on God. Actually, you just can't do anything without God. Jesus said it himself, in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. I can of my own self do nothing. He was totally dependent on God, God in him. And he learned that and he mastered that as he grew up for 30 years. He mastered all that. And people always say, well, like, what, what did Jesus do for 30 years? Did he do miracles? Did he do anything? And, you know, nobody can give you that answer. Everybody can guess at things. But, but I was reading this last week about Mary and Jesus and how they were at the, at the wedding. And Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet. He, hasn't, he hadn't come out. It's listed as the first miracle. But I was very interested in the conversation that Jesus had with Mary because it's, you know, Mary's his mother, and, and they had a, a relationship. I don't even know how to define it, but, but uh, it's very interesting. Because Mary goes to Jesus and says, you know, I need you to make some wine. Like, how would she know to ask him to make wine? How does a person say, I need you to make some wine, and then tell the servants, oh, whatever he tells you, just, just do it. Where does that background come from? So I'm just saying, Mary had a life, you know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, man, that must have been something, you know. <laughs> Who knows what Jesus did? I mean, we can't preach it. We can't claim it. We can't say it happened. But, ooh, ooh, ooh. the possibilities are amazing. Okay, so remember that if you don't do this right, if you don't do Christianity right, you're going to get disappointed. You're going to misinterpret God. This is the danger of not having your inheritance and then trying to be a Christian or live like a Christian. You're going to be disappointed because without that inheritance, you can't have the life that's promised. And the life that's promised is full of miracles, signs, wonders, and all kinds of supernatural benefits, blessings, and promises. And so if you don't experience that, if you're still depressed after 30 years, this is not a good sign. You know, if you still hate people after 20 or 30 years, this is not a good sign. If you still long for the flesh pots of Egypt and you, you still want to go partying and discoing and you still got, want to run around and get drunk and get high and, and, and do that, this is not a good sign that your Christianity is the actual real one. You have a fake. It's not the Bible one. It's a one without an inheritance in it. And the dangers of, of you having Christianity without Jesus in it is that God's face will look different. 
He will not be a miracle worker. He will not perform signs and wonders for you. He will not give you things that are so far beyond your deserving that you stand in awe at all the things that he's doing. Praise the Lord. So we gave you uh, six. It was supposed to be seven, but I missed one. So we gave you six. The first one being, you know, desperation and staying hungry for God. The second one was feasting on Jesus. The third one was supposed to be learning your lessons, and that's the one I skipped. And I want to kind of go over that for a little bit, because in the wilderness, God's agenda was to get Egypt out of the people. His first agenda is to get you out of Egypt or the world and get you out of Pharaoh's control, which is the devil, and get you victory over your taskmasters, which are your genetic tendencies of sin and give you victory over all those things and get you out of a house of misery, torment, anguish, and pain. That's just his first job. And then the second one was to get Egypt that's in you, that you bring with you, out of you. And for that, that requires surgery. And surgery requires surrender and surrender and obedience. And so the thing the people there did not learn and could not learn is they just wouldn't obey God when he exposed something in their life. And he showed them that that thing was not good for them nor of him and that he could not bless that. So keep this in mind that Jesus can never bless what Jesus died to defeat. As soon as a preacher starts telling you you can live any way you want and be blessed, this is a complete contradiction to the Bible. You can't actually do that. God cannot bless you getting drunk. He can't bless that. Is everybody with me? So the more, the more permission Christianity you get involved in, the darker your life gets And pretty soon you're back in the dungeons and in the dark, deep waters of death and destruction as compromise by compromise by compromise through the teaching of false teachers. You have been promised and told that everything is okay because Jesus took care of everything. And it doesn't matter how bad you are or what you do, you're still going to be blessed. That doesn't change the blessing. But the Bible doesn't teach it that way. And it's very clear to understand that in the wilderness, all he wanted them to do is just learn their lessons. And this is a principle of you acquiring your possession. Remember the question, what do you want? What do you want? What are you looking for in your life? You say, well, I want to be loved. Okay, well, that's a need. That's a need. I want to be loved. That need can be met, but only by Jesus. Because once you look to be loved totally, completely, perfectly by a person, you're now depending on an imperfect person to give you a perfect thing. And you can't get that from a person. Your wife, if she's a godly woman, will love you the best that she can, but she's going to fail. And your husband, who may love you with all his heart, as much as he possibly can, may be a total walking moron. And he may not know how to love you, though he truly does love you and wants to love you and has the desires to love you and cries about it and repents so many times over the same thing and stuff like that. This is the, the, the curse of you depending on something that's not perfect to give you the perfections that you need that only God can supply. Praise the Lord. So we must learn our lessons. When God is trying to teach you something, you actually need to learn that lesson. If you go in a situation at home and everybody gets in a fight, learn something. 
Okay, what did we do that caused this? Because we need to learn this lesson and not do this again. Learn your lessons. If you... If God approaches you and shines light on you, and he says, you know, you kind of have a self-pity problem. You kind of wallow in it all day. I can't help you if you idolize your problem and exalt your problem above my solution. This is why some people can never get free, because the only way they can get attention is to be in a problem. So they're not going to get delivered from depression because it's the only way they get attention from their family. This is idolizing your problem. And once you do that, you cut God's hands off from being able to touch you. You sever the grace of God from being able to reach you because your free will has said no to his answer. Praise the Lord. So what lessons is God trying to teach you right now? What is it that he's trying to teach you as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father? What is God trying to teach you as a businessman? What is God trying to teach you as a man? Praise the Lord. If you have a lust problem and you watch pornography, you should learn the lessons of what that gives you and what that is making you and the kind of individual that is turning you into. The perversion of having that in your brain is causing your nights to be tortured, your days to be tortured, and you're also partnering with demons. Demons are now being let into your bedroom and into your home, and if you pay for it, you're actually tithing to Satan, and now you're actually sending demons to your children. When I go over here to the pastor's house, uh, uh, Miss Deb, I, I, you know, I don't walk into hell. I walk into heaven. I, I, I know every, um, every, every Andrea Bucelli song there is. Just in the last two days. I mean, I walk in, hooray, ratol jabondra. I walk out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's glorious, you know, or, or, or all the Bethel songs are all on all the time, you know. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, can we watch something? Because <laughs> they seem to just love it, hours and praise God. So what are you not learning? What is the issue? Because you can't activate your inheritance if you don't learn how to do it. Learning is one of the greatest gifts you give yourself. Please remember that. Because that is a very powerful thing. For example, take procrastination and how much that activates things in your life. Because procrastination is how you steal from yourself. It's letting something live in you that is actually a living, walking thief, and it's going to take things away from you. So you need to learn your lesson that in God, you cannot procrastinate a godly decision. You can't say, okay, I'm going to repent for that next week. I just need to do it a little bit more. No, you have to learn your lesson because you're never going to repent if you have that attitude. It's like Pharaoh. When Moses came to Pharaoh and he said, Hey, Pharaoh, I know you've got frogs in your house three feet high, and they're dead and smelling, and they're all over the house. They're in the bathroom, the toilet, the kitchen, the bedroom. When do you want me to get rid of them? And he said, Hey, tomorrow. Yeah. 
Let me sleep with them one more day. That's not learning your lesson. If you get your heart broken by someone, why don't you learn your lesson that that someone may be toxic and dangerous unless you're married to them, and now you're going to have to find a different solution because you can't get rid of them. You can't just trade in husbands and wives. Maybe some of you can, but I'm just saying, spiritually, you really can't do that. I mean, you, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, until death do you part. That's the deal. Praise God. There are exceptions to that, but we're talking about normal people, not abusers and perverts and adulterers and all that. We're talking about normal, imperfect people living together that are total opposites. A procrastinator marries a perfectionist, and you are going to go crazy. You're going to go insane. Right? Because the procrastinator will promise to do everything and never do it. The perfectionists, nothing is ever done good enough. So it has to be redone. So that, that's going to cause some insanity unless you get a miracle from God. Praise the Lord. Would you look at each, at each other right now? Just look at each other. No particular reason. Just do it. So that's number seven. Very important. You can get the tape from this morning and add that to it. I did go over it a little bit, but I didn't really spend enough time. I think it's clear enough that one of the ways you're going to get things is by learning. Just learn all the time. Get knowledge all the time. How do you cast out devils? Learn. How do you love a person that doesn't love you? Learn. How do you walk in faith? Learn. How do you move mountains? Learn. How do you receive from God? Learn. Everything is learning in the kingdom of God. You're in a perpetual evolutionary, transforming life of learning. You are evolving into a greater learner. Whatever you learn today, you're going to improve that learning skill. And it's going to get so much that your entire brain becomes a sponge that absorbs the knowledge of God. Things he doesn't say, you hear. Things that are not said, you understand. Feelings that are not spoken or even manifested, you sense. Because now your learning has got in the spiritual realm, and you're not learning just what is said and what you see. You are perceiving now. You have the gift of perception to perceive what is going on behind the scenes. And now you're a different kind of learner because now the Holy Spirit is actually teaching you five lessons instead of one at one time. Praise the Lord. We go to number eight, and this is found in... Joshua 14, 12, um, and Joshua says this, I'm just as strong now as I was when I was 30 to go in and kill giants, but I'm 84 now, and I would like my mountain. I want my mountain. Praise the Lord. The eighth principle or secret that unlocks your inheritance and brings it to your house is you need to claim it. You need to claim something. You need to know what it is God wants to give you, and then you need to go after it. It's as simple as that. If you're not going to claim anything, if you're just going to watch TV and die there and with a roll in your mouth or something, then you're not, nothing, nothing great is going to happen in your, in your life because you're, you're not claiming things. Why aren't you claiming things? What do you want? What do you want? 
exactly. What do you want? You should know what you want. You should say, I want this. I want that. And you are hopefully smart enough, and if you're not, ask a smarter person or a more spiritual person, not to ask for selfish, carnal things. I want a new husband, and I want this one to die. That's not going to happen. I want God to kill this man. Painlessly, but I want him dead. So you know that's not going to happen. But you can say, I'd like to not be so bound up in my personality and so self-conscious that I'm aware of everybody looking at me and everything they're thinking of me, and I can't be myself because I'm so concerned with them not liking me. You know, that that's a curse. That is a wicked, evil curse. And, you know, it's not about you. And at some point, you have to get over it and say, you know, this is not about me. It's not about what anybody thinks about me or whatever. Whatever. It's about you being a vessel for God that you can bless somebody and help somebody and stop thinking about yourself. That's the psychological deliverance. But the actual healing of that personality that's been in a cage since you were a child, that comes from you saying to God, I want this broken. I don't want to be shy anymore. I don't want to be introverted. I don't want to be hindered by people anymore in being who I am. That's what it requires. And that's what you do. You claim a thing. You say, I'd like my house to be paid off. What sin is there in saying that? There's nothing wrong with saying I want my house to be paid off. And then I'd like to get a second house house and a third house and a fourth house and make money from those houses. What is the sin in doing that? You're just providing. I'd like to write a million dollar check to the church and be able to pay off anything they need on a regular basis. What would be so bad if you went up to Pastor Dave and Pastor Ryan said, I got to have lunch with you uh, if you don't mind. No, 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 sure, sure. We'll show up. Yeah. We'll have lunch with you. Praise the Lord. What's going on? Ah, nothing much. You know, I just, God was talking to me a little bit. I thought I'd just give you this. And what is it? It's a check for a million dollars. I mean, do you need it? I mean, if you don't need it, I'll take it back. They would both, ah! It's an answer to prayer. Right? Or you could say, I need to change because I don't have tolerance. I'm impatient. I'm so into myself that anything anybody does bad towards me, I get angry. You're in a cage. And you need to say to God, I want this. Praise the Lord. Whatever it is. But begin to claim it. Go after the thing. When I first got saved, I was 17. I started preaching at 17 years old, and I shouldn't have been doing that. But I, my first sermon was in front of 3,000 people. And it wasn't a sermon. Please don't misunderstand me. I hadn't even been to church yet. <laughs> I hadn't been to church at all. I didn't know what the word saved meant. But we had had almost 100 athletes saved in three months when I got saved, not knowing I was saved. Uh, and it simply happened because they saw a transformation in my life. And I went from a violent, angry, extremely shy person to totally the opposite. Totally free, talking to people, talking to people about Jesus, praying for people in church, praying for teachers. And I didn't even know how to pray. And I got saved 
without knowing that's what it was. And so I would just tell people the address to the tree where I prayed and how I said it. And I said, go to this tree, say these words. You'll start crying, and then, then that, that's what that is. And that was it. So I'm in front of all these people, and I don't know anything about preaching. I got delivered from a, a severe bondage at that meeting. And I said, uh, you know, talk for an hour and a half. And I, I can't tell you what I said, but the TV was there. The newspapers were there. All the radio pro people were there. Every, everybody was there. And, and afterwards, I just said, does anybody want the address to the tree? That was my invitation. <laughs> 700 and something people came forward. The Baptist preacher who had invited me, he got in there and started taking names. You know, I didn't know what he was doing. He just said, Come in the get name, get the name, get the name, get the You know, that's a 700-member church. He's just going to get, you know, that church is still going. But, but think about what I'm saying. Claim something. Claim something. Oh, I'd like to get delivered from depression. Claim it. Claim it. I'd like to be bold. I'd like to lead people to Jesus. I'd like to lead 100 people to Jesus every year. Claim that. I would like to lose 70 pounds. Claim that. Praise the Lord. Look at two people and say, man, God is talking to you right now. In a moment, everybody, in a moment, I'm going to pray for every single person. I'm going to lay hands on every single person because you came to church tonight. And I know it's not your normal thing to do. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to minister to you. Because you took your time to come out and be here. And God has something to give you, to say, or to bless you in some way. Praise the Lord. So that's number eight. Amen? Look at somebody next to you and say, Hala, hala. There are 21 of these, so I'm trying to pick seven out of the remaining 14. Uh, you can get this whole series in one month, all of it. We'll also have the booklet that goes with it uh, as well. But, but for right now, this is what you can get. You know, so that's it. Okay, so we're on number nine. Is that right? Yeah, we're on number nine. And so I want you to think of this because this is a very, very important. Joshua twenty four fourteen, very powerful. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Then you go over there to Deuteronomy 30 and uh, verse 19. And it says, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose you this day life and blessings. And not curses, so that you and your children may be able to love the Lord your God with all your mind, strength, and heart. Praise the Lord. So I want you to think of this as number nine, because this is a daily thing. This is a, a secret of unlocking your inheritance, and that is always making the right choice between good and evil. Every day you have a choice to make, and you make so many choices in your life. When you're in the midst of temptation... Just make the right choice. Say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not going to act in that way. 
No, that's not something I'm going to think. No, I'm not going to treat that person that way. No, or say yes, I'm going to obey the Lord. Yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. Yes, I'm going to surrender to God. Yes, I'm going to do what God told me. Yes, I'm going to forgive. Yes, I'm going to... Choosing, choosing every day is full of choices. And you are literally the product of the choices you make every day. This is going to unlock for you your inheritance because God's going to tell you to do things and you're going to have to choose to obey him. Praise the Lord. And you're going to say, wow, I don't really want to obey you right now. I don't want to do that. But this is when you change your life. I don't want to do it, but I'm doing it anyway. And I can tell you in 50 years of doing this, that I have had to say to God many times, please, Lord, don't ask me to do this. Please. I really don't want to do this. And God doesn't seem to be swayed by begging. (laughs) Please, I'm begging you. Is there any way that I could do the other thing I'm thinking of doing? Just this one time. A quick shot in the mouth, O Father, and they will be totally changed from glory to glory. No, I want you to give them a gift. I want you to go find them and pray for them. I want you to speak kindly and pray for their family. I said, oh, Lord, you're asking too much. I'm not that mature. You know, every excuse I can come up with, you know, I just don't get that. I don't have the revelation. (laughs) Can I just plead ignorance on this one for today? (laughs) Right? So you just obey. That's what a person that gets their inheritance does. They obey. They make the right choice. Praise God. You want to leave your wife? No. You don't do it. You want to leave your husband because he left his sock in the living room. And it's a symbolic gesture of how much he hates you. That's what you believe as a woman. That is a sign that you hate me. Because I have told you so many times. Do not leave your clothes laying around the house. There it is again. And you did it on purpose. And you meant that. You hate me. I'm out of here. That's number nine. Praise the Lord. We go to number 10, found in Numbers 13, verses 30, 31, 32, 33. Twelve spies go in the land. They come back. Ten spies say, we can't go in there. The giants are like nine, ten feet tall. We're like grasshoppers. It says they brought a bad report. Joshua and Caleb say, hey, listen, we are well able to go into the land And take possession of it. We can just go in there and take possession of it. It's not a big problem. We can conquer all the giants. We can wipe them all out. And they brought a good report. And God was pleased with them. So the ten spies and many of the other people had this negative language. If you're going to take 
what belongs to you and possess your inheritance that Jesus died for you to have. If you're going to have all the things you need to not be a crazy person, for example. Right? Because some of you are crazy. And you're told that on a regular basis. Your family says, you're crazy. You look in the mirror and say, I'm crazy. You even have signs in your house. I lost myself. I'm out looking for myself. I'll be back when I find myself. I'm a little crazy. Well, there's a solution for that. Praise the Lord. It begins with divine language. Remember that your words, power and life and death, are in the power of the tongue. So if you're going to get a thing, you must begin to partner with the person who can give you that thing. And you partner with God with language, just like you partner with Satan with language. Think about it like this. Every time that you use profanity, you are connecting yourself to the language of Satan. Satan cusses, God doesn't. Nobody in heaven goes around saying, what the blankety blanks going on here, you sons of a motherless goat. Nobody does that. But you could feel the anointing when I said it, couldn't you? Because some of you, you see, it rings true to you. You love cussing. There's something glorious about it. There's a rhythm and a musical musicality to it so that the right cuss word put at the right spot just finishes the sentence for some of you. Others of you can't cuss anymore because you have been to some holy places and it has burned out the language of Satan out of you and it's something you cannot let out of your mouth. No matter how upset you get, it's just not going to come out because you've been purged. So let me give you some examples. Psalm 22. God inhabits the praises of his people, which are words. God inhabits the praises of his people. Satan inhabits the praises of his people. So you want to bring Satan into your house, cuss a little bit. Complain. Because complaining is how you tell God that you don't trust his plan for your life. Griping and complaining about everything is how you tell God you don't believe he's actually in charge of your life. You believe that no one is in charge of your life. And so you complain about everything and everybody. Because complaining is a satanic language. Mockery is a satanic language. Gossiping is a satanic language. Because the Bible says that gossips separate intimate friends. One gossipy person can say one horrible thing that may even be true to a person, but that may be 30 or 40 or 50 years old but brought out of the graveyard of God, the skeleton that God has buried and forgotten is dragged out of the graveyard and then paraded around somebody who has no business knowing anything about sins that God has forgiven and forgotten. But a gossip will dig them out. Gossips create self-destroying curses. You want to curse your life? Gossip about somebody. Because 
Satan will come where gossips are speaking. Satan will come where people are cussing. Satan will come when people are saying filthy things with their mouth and talking. That's why when a a person is listening or watching a movie, how grieving it is to hear that language. The closer you get to God, the harder it is to listen to that language. It makes you skin crawl, literally. But when you cuss and you hear somebody cuss, it feels cool. Like, okay, we're brothers. Praise the Lord. Let's cuss a little bit, brother. How you doing, your mother this and your mother that? Well, doing great. How are you? Let's pray. Another kind of Christian. Unenlightened, uninformed, and uneducated. And remember this. Anywhere you're ignorant, you become food for a predator. If you single boys and girls and young people, if you don't get educated about sexual stuff and your parents don't teach you how to perceive perversion in a person or how to discern a perverted man or a perverted girl, if you don't learn the demonic anointings that are on people that are coming after you, because you may be really good looking or God has made you beautiful and those demons want to possess that innocence. From the beginning of the Garden of Eden, Satan wanted Adam and Eve's innocence. And he said, I want to take the innocence of the human race. And if I can get Adam and Eve, I'll get all of them. And that's what he did. Is this too much, or am I blowing your mind? Am I freaking you out, or should I go to something lighter and happier? Should I be more positive? Should I speak on positive issues instead of, like, things that matter? Turn to two people and say, oh, my God. I just want you to stop talking and pray for me. <laughs> Prophesy to me. <laughs> don't, don't talk anymore. But let's talk about language, because some of you... Why you haven't made any visible, tangible progress in your life is your language is still totally in submission to Satan. That's why you can't get better. That's why your depression won't leave, because you talk depression. That's why you're never going to get delivered, because you talk self-pity constantly. Nothing is ever fair. Nobody loves you. Your parents love all your brothers and sisters better than you. Your mother never loved you. Your dad never loved you. And God doesn't remember what your name is. And he's never blessed you. But he blesses everybody else. But you get nothing. You're just, you've had these problems. He hasn't answered your prayers forever. You asked for a new husband forever. And you, he just won't give you one. So though you, will grow, though you grow up in a culture of satanic language, you understand that you have to switch cultures at some point in order to change your harvest. Because your language, your language becomes your harvester. You harvest things by the language that you set into the atmosphere. 
God inhabits the praises. We start singing, glory to God, hallelujah, we praise you, almighty God, hallelujah. We start worshiping God like that. Sing you la maramba de You start singing in the spirit. All of a sudden you're, ooh, that feels good. Hair stands up. Because the anointing is coming because my language is divine language and I'm speaking divine language. As I'm, I'm preaching to you right now, I'm preaching to you with divine language. Jesus came on earth and brought with him a new language and everybody said nobody speaks like this man I've never heard anything like this and they said the words that I speak they are spirit and life you're not going to get your stuff with dead language you need to fill your house with godly language you need to say oh my house is blessed in the name of G and you need to mean it not just you know doing it because somebody said it but from the heart I bless all the rooms of my house. I bless my children. And when you kneel next to them, I prophesy over my children. They'll all fulfill their destiny. They'll be lawyers or doctors or preachers or teachers or authors or writers or singers or psalmists or mothers or fathers or brothers or whatever. You just prophesy it over them and you send the language out. You send the prophetic language out and it rearranges the atmosphere in which you are dwelling. Think about it like this. Two people in a car, you and your husband, you have a disagreement. A disagreement is not sin. It's okay to disagree. I kind of disagree with that. I don't really agree with that. Oh, you don't? No, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. But then if the flesh is ignited, then you start arguing. Yeah, you always say that. You never agree with anything. No matter what I say, for all of eternity, there's no agreement about anything. Now you're arguing. Now you're in the flesh. Now you've woken the demons. And if you take it to the other place where your anger is speaking and your pain is speaking, then it's two demons talking to each other. And you're prophesying what Satan thinks about them to them. You're a this, you're a that, 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 you're a this, you're a that. I hate, I Now you're satanically prophesying to your family who loves you. I'm not feeling the love right now, so I'm going to go over here and talk to myself for a little bit. Praise God, Brother Ivan. Wow, that's fantastic preaching. I've just never heard anything like it. I feel like I'm being skinned alive. I don't know if I'm going to make it alive out of this building. What is it you're saying? You're freaking me out. My mind is blowing up. My ears are falling off of my head. Oh, don't do it. Shut up. I can't take it. Maybe that's a demon. Because remember that your religion will lead you to protect your lie. But your heart for God will rip your chest open and say, God, take that ugly, wicked lie out of my heart. Praise the Lord. I don't know why you people aren't clapping and freaking out and shouting. Who are you? This is great. This is amazing. I'm getting a lot out of my own preaching right now. Look at somebody and say, that's amazing. Tell somebody around you, that's like awesome. That's number 10. Right? Let's go to number 11 as we're on our journey here of gathering, gathering. 
And one of the great things about the scripture, you can find this in Psalm 1. You can also find it in Joshua chapter 1. And, and that is the only thing that has power to keep changing you are the things you can remember. You, to activate something in heaven, you must do that with a key. That key is called a revelation. So every revelation is like a, a, a beautiful divine thread that connects you to your inheritance and that allows you to bring your inheritance into your experience and into your reality. So think about this. Anything you forget loses its power. So for you to get what God wants you to get, You've got to write down the revelations that he speaks to you. Let's show you. Okay, here you are in church. Some of you have no Bibles. You are not writing anything down. This leads me to believe that you don't care or you have a photographic memory. Which one is it? Because it's one of the two. Or you're just not expecting to hear anything worth remembering. Recording works. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I'm not talking about people that have things to remember. I'm talking about those of you that can't possibly remember all that I have said tonight. So think about this. Here's how you do it, because this is important. In one year's time, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Dave, and, and Ms. Deb are going to preach to you and other people are going to preach to you at least 52 messages. Let's say just Sunday morning. 52 messages. You're not going to remember 52 messages. Nor does God expect you to remember 52 messages. But in those 52 messages, God will speak to you one or two personal items of revelation which you are going to say, Ooh. <laughs> that is a word from God that I needed. You take that, you memorize it, and you record it, and then you repeat it every day for the rest of your life. And sometimes you may end up with three, four, five, six, seven hundred revelations. But those revelations, once committed to memory through memorization, committed to substance by meditation, and committed to power by proclamation, those things now will become supernaturally alive in you, and they will redesign your insides. They are the architects of the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of extreme arrogance to hear sermons with no intention of remembering them. This is a crime against yourself. It is a crime against the Bible. It is a crime against God. You do not have a photographic memory, and you should be expecting God to say something through your pastors that are laying their lives down and fasting and praying and saying, God, get this across to the people. Praise the Lord. Are just not showing up to church at all. You sit at home or you're watching it at home and you, you go through 12 different preachers. Ah, I kind of don't like this one. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, pretty good. Oh, you're pretty good. 
Because you have lost your shepherd's voice. God plants you in a church and he gives you a voice of a shepherd. He gives you the voice of a father and the voice of a shepherd. Those voices are to stay in your life to feed you and make you grow. You don't just get to be like a prostitute and jump from dude to dude or from church to church. Don't feel the love on that right now. That was a little heavy for most of you. So I'm going over here. Praise God. That was a little heavy. Big stuff. You're saying some crazy things. You're dropping bombs. The people are freaking out. Be careful. You're in California. They're packing. Praise God. Okay. Let's go to number 11. Very powerful. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're transformed from glory to glory into God's image. Amen? So let's talk about this. So, transformation is the visible momentum that you are in an active relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Getting offended at the preacher is a sign that you don't know what you're doing. Praise the Lord. Because I'm being real nice and saying nice things in a real nice way. So don't get offended at me. Paul said it. Are you now mad at me for telling you the truth? Because remember, the gospel is going to get harder than it's been because the people are so deep into the milk that they need to get thrown out of there into the strength of revelation. And revelation, though it edifies you, it also takes you to pieces and takes you apart. It doesn't just make you feel good. Because truth is combined of two things. Ugly truth and beautiful truth. Ugly truth makes you live right. And beautiful truth makes you feel good. So if I say to you, uh, Pastor Ryan. Pastor Ryan, God loves you no matter what. Always he will love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. That is called beautiful truth. That's going to make him feel good. It makes me feel good to say it. That's why a lot of of us preachers just want to say nice things. But it's not love to do that. It would be like me trying to raise my children on just all positive things. Oh, wow, you killed the dog. You're loved. You're so loved. But the dog is dead. But you're loved. No condemnation. Do you raise your children with no correction at all? How do you get good children? You just tell them, hey, don't worry about it. You burn down the house, we'll build another one. Don't feel bad. It's not a big deal. We got money. Is that what you say? Or is it a constant correcting? From the moment they shoot out of that womb. As soon as they talk. Nope. No, no. We're at the house with a beautiful Molly. Molly the Mauler. And she's the happiest dog on earth. But she will jump on everybody. Crawl up your face, go up on the head, go inside your clothes, grab, 
Tickle everything, kiss, lick your face. I was licked from head down to toe three or four times. And they tried so hard. I'll get out, Molly. I'll get out. Leave him alone. And then back. Molly, Molly. Every few seconds. So I just, I just felt I should just embrace it. Because there's no stopping it. I mean, (laughs) and that's the solution. (laughs) You know, if you can't beat them, you join them. (laughs) So change then is the only acceptable apology. You keep this in your life, and God knows you mean business. Because you don't just say, I'm sorry. You actually do what it takes to change. What wife could find fault with a man with a million faults who changes? What husband could find fault with a wife with a million faults who changes? Where she can say to you, wow, you are not the same person. You worked for seven straight hours today, singing and cleaning and painting and fixing and all that. You are not the same person that I married. It's a glorious thing. Praise the Lord. You know, sweetie, I haven't heard you complain. I mean, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks. What has happened? Well, God really spoke to me, convicted me. He said, I'm polluting and defiling my home. If you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, remember that the, the thing to do is not... Change the subject. Like. That's not the thing to do. Truth is beautiful and truth is ugly. And only when you combine the two. Will you be set free. Praise the Lord. Look at someone and say change. Is coming to my house. So let me end this part with this. God found you. And you were a worm. God did not find butterflies. He found worms. You're all worms. Without God, we're all sinners. We are worms. What, is the, what are the traits of a worm? They live in dirt. They eat dirt. They sleep in dirt. They like dirt. They, all they can do is dirt. They can't survive without dirt. Dirt is their food. So where do you find worms? That's right. When I want to fish... With somebody, I'll go digging in my garden. I'll find big old worms, and I can use those to catch some catfish. Praise the Lord. That's how God found you. But when he captures you, he sticks you in a cocoon. And then he builds that cocoon with revelation knowledge and wraps it around you. So the revelation that I told you to gather 
is the cocoon that you, you there's the, the materials you build with and you're in the revelation and the revelation is changing you and making your wings grow so that when you break out of the cocoon you're actually still part worm but nobody notices you don't go to a a butterfly pavilion and go oh look at the worm look at the worm in there between those wings look at the worm Nobody says that. Nobody says that. They say, oh, my God, look at the wings on that one. Look at the colors on that one. Because you don't find butterflies on the ground. They fly. Their job for as long as they live, they live as one thing. Flap your wings and let everybody see the colors. And these are called the colors of redemption. These are the acts of intervening grace that God has committed on you. And it produced a color. Redemption for red. Blue for heaven. And so on and so forth. All of the colors. He puts them on your wings. So that all that people notice about you when you change is the colors of the transformation. They say, wow, you have a beauty to you now that you did not have before. Praise the Lord. Put your arms around somebody. Hug them strong. And say glory to God. Wave your hands. And say it's my time to change. I hope that the whole worship team is still here. Because in a moment I'm going to need you. And I hope you haven't left. Because if you left. Pastor's going to call you. That's number 12. Okay, so let's go to number 13. Look around you. The Bible teaches these laws. It's more blessed to than to. So one of the great things that you learn as a Christian, and if you don't learn this, then you stay poor. Malachi 3.10. Bring your tithe into the storehouse and, and uh, the re- uh, devour will be rebuked. Or the storehouse will be full and you'll be blessed in all these different ways. There are 100 blessings to tithing. Now, what I want to talk to you about is generosity. Because generosity covers money, but it covers other things as well. The way you get your stuff is by being generous. Generous means this, to consistently empty yourself of your resources. And give them to someone else. And allow God to bring you more resources. Generosity is to empty yourself of all your resources and give them to someone else. Generosity is not giving what you can afford. That's just earthly intelligence. But that is not divine intelligence. People that... Learn this. Learn how to unlock the resources of God. For example, for those of you that don't tithe because you don't think God needs your money. You say, why would I tithe? God doesn't need my money. He's richer than everybody. God doesn't want you to tithe because he needs your money. He wants you to tithe so you won't need your money. 
Because once you don't need your money, he can trust you to give you money. God won't give you any money as long as he can't trust you with money. Why would God give you money if you're not even going to tithe? You're not even going to do the little that he tells you. So you're going to be broke. And there's two ways you get broke. A lack of money or a lack of protection from money. Those are the two ways you get cursed by unsanctified money. One is you lose your money. And two is the money becomes your God. And you don't have a moment's peace because you're afraid of losing it. Praise the Lord. And that becomes a curse. So, here's, here's the law of giving. Very powerful for generosity. Don't give, or let me say it a different way. Give like the place you want to occupy. Not like the place you're occupying. At some point in your life, you have to trust God that he can give you money. At some point. And the only way to show that trust is to give money away. The only way to get money is to give it. The only way to get money is to not need to get money when you give. Because the purest form of giving is to give with no desire to get anything back. That is the highest form of generosity. He says, I'm giving this, and I don't care if I get anything back. I mean, God is God. He's going to bless me. But I don't care. I really don't. I'm just giving this. My motive for giving is not to get. My motive for giving is to have in order to give. My entire motive is to have in order to give, not in order to get and keep and hide. You can't use God to just get rich for your own self. That's called selfishness and greed. You give to have to give. So when you give $100,000 with no desire of getting anything back, God's going to give you back a million or two or three or four or ten. And you're going to say, wow, I got too much money. I got to find people to give this to. So God sends paymasters to churches like that and to people like that. He sends me those people all the time. People that are just willing to write whatever amount of checks are necessary. Because if God knows that you will take it all and do with it what he wants you to do with it, why wouldn't he use you as one of his funnels or brokers here on earth? We're just talking about money right now. Let's switch and talk about generosity of spirit. This is a different thing. Praise the Lord. Generosity of spirit works like this. Someone offends you and you don't get offended. Instead, you say, what is going on? Why are you freaking out? What's wrong? That's generosity of spirit. You gave them the dignity of not matching their insanity. Because if you come at me in anger and I have no spiritual fruit, I will come back at you in anger. But if I have fruit, I will find a way to reach your heart on the inside, pray with you, minister to you, even get you saved, get you baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then bring you to church. Because I have generosity of spirit. This works for all areas of life. Praise the Lord. So if you're going to get what God has, you have to be a generous person. Praise the Lord. 
Let's go to number 13. No, 14? Yeah, it's the last one. Okay, though there are many more, I'm just going to give you this Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 20. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Okay? So, there are many other things that I've left out. I've left out seven other keys, but I'm going to give you this key. If you do not pray in the Holy Spirit, if you can't do that, you need to do that. If you say, what, what was that? That's my spirit language. It's a language God gave me that the Holy Spirit uses to pray for me. Let me say it a different way. It's a, a language God gave me, and he will give each one of you the same, not the same language, but a language, that the Holy Spirit uses to pray or to formulate prayers. So, the Holy Spirit is God. So God, the Holy Spirit in you, writes the prayer and sends it to himself and then answers himself and then gives you the reward. That's what happens when you go robo The Holy Spirit is praying perfect prayers. There's answers coming. I don't know what they are, but if I pray for an hour or two, that's a lot of perfect prayers that I'm sending to heaven. So consequently, a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit will pray all the time if they're smart. They'll just, between every sentence, how you doing, la mumurrakaba? Hey, give me a, I'd like a Big Mac with a Diet Coke, la brakta, and uh, no ketchup on the French fries, halabungulita, mamaha. But make sure uh, that you don't put too much of that ugly yellow cheese on there. Puhalehando kaka mi Because I'm not really into that. I just want a little bit of mustard with a little bit of ketchup. And, uh, and make that two of them, praise the Lord. And Now, that seems like insanity. Say, wow, that's a little wacko and all that. Yes, because that's what the devil wants you to think. It's Satan's job to demonize the gifts that God wants you to have. So you'll avoid getting them, and then he can defeat you because you are powerless and without weapons. Satan won't come near you when you're halendura. Oh, no, he's not going to approach that. No demon wants to hear you praising and magnifying God and, and hear the Holy Spirit pray. No demon wants to get near that. No devil will stay in your house when you're walking around the house. No, 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 no demon is going to stay. No demon is going to get on your bed and stay there when you're praying and the Holy Ghost and putting yourself to sleep like the, the sleeping pill of the Holy Ghost. If you do that at night when you go, nothing weird will happen. Think about it. Now you're saying, Ivan, you're kind of freaking me out a little bit. You're acting kind of crazy. That was like kind of weird and strange. And No, 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 no. That's just me. But notice that my eyes didn't roll back in my head. I didn't start making weird noises like an animal. And I didn't start shaking or, <laughs> or making anything weird. I just stopped 
and started because God would never take over my free will. But he put something divine in me, and this unlocks your inheritance. It is a very powerful tool. So here's my question to all of you, as I'm going to begin to minister to you now. Here's my question. I want all of you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to have the band come all up, all the band people, all of the band people. Uh, Have you come up for a minute? And here's my question. If you close your eyes for a moment, I'm going to ask three questions. Number one, how many of you here do not have a spirit language yet? You don't have the power of the Holy Ghost flowing out of your life. Raise your hands pretty high. Okay, so that's a lot, a lot of people. Second, how many of you have some words, but not a full river, not a full language? You just have some words. Let me see your hands. Okay, that's a lot more. And then thirdly, how many of you that have the Holy Spirit don't find that you use it very often or that it lights your fire when you pray? It's like gotten dead or something, and you need to be refilled with the presence and the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. So what I want is everybody that raised your hand in group one, two, or three to just stand up, if you would. And we're going to get you all filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Is that okay? Because what is your life worth if you can't pray in the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you the secrets of praying in the Holy Spirit. One, don't be embarrassed and be bold and claim this. Claim it. Praise the Lord. So I want all of you to say this. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost out loud like a machine gun. And the devil's not going to take it from me. Praise the Lord. So there's no dignified way to get this. You can't like look good while you're getting the Holy Spirit. This is an act of desperation. This is not an act of, you know, are my eyelids still there? Or my eyelashes? This is, this is an act of desperation. Secondly, secondly, if you're standing next to someone that you will be embarrassed to speak in your spirit language with, move. Don't stand next to them. If you can't go and they're standing right there, move. Because you're, they're going to steal it from you because of your self-consciousness and pride. And so you need to move. Get up. Get alone if you need in one of these chairs, if that's the case. Three, Jesus is the one that baptizes people in the Holy Ghost, not Ivan Tate. Right? Matthew 3.10. Matthew 3.16. Matthew 3, 19. John the Baptist, I baptize you in water for the forgiveness of sins, but one comes after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. He shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Praise the Lord. So who's going to give you this prayer language? Jesus. Who is going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Who's going to reignite the fire that's gone out of your prayer language? Jesus. Who's going to give you a full language? Jesus. Who's going to give you a language, period, that you've never had so that you can pray in the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Praise God. Remember that I'm here to minister to you. And so if you need to leave for any reason, don't feel bound by me, but understand that I'm here to minister to you.
not like I have something that's more important than this. This is the most important thing in my day. Praise the Lord. So, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. So watch me, everybody. Watch this. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift my hands as a sign of surrender and a sign of victory. And then I'm going to tell God, I love you, Lord. Praise your name. Glory and honor belong to you. You are the greatest. You're the best. You're the most amazing. Jesus, there's nobody like you. I love you so much. This is called praise. I am praising God. And I'm doing it in a loud voice. I'm not doing this. Not doing that. Don't deceive yourself. Don't do that. You need to let it out of your mouth because it's a vocal miracle. It's a verbal miracle. It has to come out in words. And the words can't come out without your permission. That means you need to start. You need to start talking in something that is not English. It doesn't matter if it sounds like a baby word. It doesn't matter because all you're doing is opening the faucet. Because in any miracle, in many of the miracles Jesus did, he gave a command for the person to do something they actually couldn't do. Rise and walk. And the person activated their will to do it. And that activation was their step of faith. And that step of faith activated the miracle and it hit their body and they rose and walked. All you've got to do is open your mouth, say, ha, dalai, and let it, God fill it, but don't do it quietly. Do it loudly. Because this is going to change your life. I, I, I mean, I can't tell you all the wonderful things that are about to happen because, brothers and sisters, you've got to be on fire for God. And in a little bit, they're going to sing that song you sang this morning. What a wonderful name. That one. And I want to tell you, I'll tell them when and I'll tell you. Because right now, I'm just teaching you a little bit. Ask and you what? Seek and you knock and praise the Lord. So we have a lot of people standing. I mean, I don't know how many, but there's a lot of people standing right now. Last week, I had over 600 and something people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Just in one service. I didn't count them. They counted them, and that's what they told me. Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's a, that's a lot of people. And in many, many times and weekends, we have up to a thousand or more people that get this gift because God knows you need it. It will change your life to pray in the Holy Spirit. So lift your hands. Step one is we're going to praise the Lord in English. When I count to three, start telling God how amazing he is in English. One, two, three. Praise him. Nice and loud. No whispering. No whispering. That, that's not going to work. You got to do what I'm telling you. Praise you, God. Praise you, Almighty God. Glory to your name. I love you, Jesus. You're amazing. You're fantastic. You are so great, God, in every possible way. You are amazing, amazing, amazing. Just do it until you get all filled with it. Praise the Lord. Now, look at me. Give yourself a hand for doing the first step right. 
Okay? Second step. Say this prayer with me. Lord, I repent for all my sins. Dear God, please forgive me. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus for all the bad things I've ever done or said. You're now clean and you're standing before God clean and not guilty because some of you don't feel you're worthy to get this gift because remember, it's called a gift. You don't earn gifts. They are given freely. So what you're getting is a free gift. All right? This time we're going to praise Him in English until I count to three. When I count to three, you're going to start praying in your spirit language and you're going to do it in a nice, loud voice. And some of you are going to feel weird things happen in your body like a heat or something. And what that is a lot of times is that you're being disconnected from demons that have attached themselves to your life. They're not inside you, but they're connected to you and walk with you. They're with you wherever, everywhere you go. And when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, they can't handle that, so they disconnect. And they're gone. The result of the, this will be, for many of you, no more bad dreams. No more bad dreams. No more nightmares. No more depression in the house. All of that is going to leave. Just from this one thing. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? Are you going to be bold? Are you children going to be bold? You're going to pray bold, buddy? You're going to pray bold? Loud. Okay, good boy. So, all of you children, be loud. Be bold. Don't worry about your brother or sister next to you or anybody. Because this is a gift God is going to give you that you need. This will make you an elephant with an actual trunk. Rather than an elephant with no trunk trying to drink water. This will let you suck in the entire river at one time and blow it on everybody. Are you ready? In English, let's lift our hands and praise God out loud. In English, till I count to three. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Let it out of there. Shamahaleta la baholeta taroka. Shomaleta lototela liasabareka. No English. Beheleba robasa. Come on, let it out of there. Beleba sobra daraba. Now start singing that song. Shamalaba robo sobo. Shamalaba. Pray it out of there, baby. Shamaraba baba da 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 laba. Shabalaba. Come on, keep going. Balaba, move the, that mouth. Balaba, no crying right now. Gabarabasa, let it out. Say those words. Jemel, burra. There you go. There you go, baby. That's how you do it. Shamalaba, spray it out, brother. Shamaroba, there you go. Shomalaba, barre, karababa. Fantastic. Shamaraba, sabro, boraba. Dembalaba, sabro, bo. Shamala, let it flow out of there, brother. Shamalaba, 
Let it flow out of there. Let it flow out of there. This is going to change your life, bro. Your whole family is going to benefit from this. I'm not going to embarrass you. Let it out of there. Beautiful. Keep singing. Shoma la dara ma segerebe. Shoma la barre da Shoma la ba. Shoma la ba. Shoma la ba la ba la ba ka. Shoma la barra ba. Shemelele la borraba. Everybody. Fill with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Come on in. Come on, everybody. Keep going. Just pray right there where you're at. Shemala, Korabo Tandele, Shembeti, Ilele Wadugurumushi, Sholama. Let's give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Come on. Goodness of God, that's what I want you to sing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> 